The following sermon was delivered on January 17, 2021 at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. Mr. Johann Shea gave this exhortation entitled Wisdom in Applying the Word on James 1, 19-27. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. If you have a surgery tomorrow, and then as you wait in the surgery room, the doctor comes in, you see his face, you see his hands shaking, you see his sweat, he's sweating, and then you hear the following words from him. This is gonna be my first time. This is gonna be my first time doing an operation. Would that trouble you? Or would that annoy you? Or would that comfort you? We expect that doctors have a certain competency in his skills. We expect that doctors know what they're gonna do. Likewise, for us men who are being trained in the ministry, we are expected that after our training, we know what we're supposed to be doing in the ministry, in the preaching of, in the preaching of God's word. Likewise, James, the book of James is about the Christian faith. He wants us to hear or understand that there's a test, there's a, a certainty, assurance, whether to know a person is indeed a Christian, whether he's a genuine Christian or not. Is his faith authentic or not? James, in context, tells us that there are different tests for us as Christians to know whether we are Christian or not. The faith that we profess is true or not. And in the first chapter, James gives us the proper perspective, how a Christian is tested. How is, Christian, how is a Christian tested or proven that he indeed is a, is a true professing believer in, through his trials in verses 2 to 8? And in verses 9 to 11, what is his social standing? How does a Christian respond in temptation? How, what is a true test that the person indeed is a true believer? And in verses 18 to 27, he tells us that there, the test through our proper perspective in our word, how we do we respond to the word of God. And in chapter 2, the first 13 verses, he tells us how we relate with people. James ended verse, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, saying that in the exercise of God's will, he brought us forth from the, by the word of truth that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. James tells us in verse 18 that God has redeemed us and gave us spiritual birth. So now he moves to the section where he wants us to understand in verses 19 to 27, which is our text tonight, that what is our proper perspective? If you, what is your proper perspective supposed to be? if you are a true believer, if you are a Christian. Thus, James's message for us this evening is this. The Christian shows profit from the word of God by receiving and practicing it. The Christian shows profit from the word of God by receiving and practicing it. And we hope to unpack this message from James tonight under three headings. First is receive the word for profit in verses 19 to 21. Second, practice the word for, for profit in verses 22 to 25. 
and the evidence of profiting from the word from verses 26 and 27. Verse 19, James, has re James tells us to receive the word for profit. He tells us this, This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If you have a new King James or King James, you would notice there's a difference, there's a variation. Regardless of the variation, it's because it's just a matter of manuscript. James, this section is now telling us, James is now telling us he's now transitioning. From proper perspectives about temptation, he's now moving to proper perspective towards the word. How is a Christian known that he is truly a believer is how he perceives the word, how he responds to the word. And that James gives us first a first principle, which is be quick to hear. James tells us to hurry to swiftly, promptly hear the word of God. For us to receive the word and profit from it, we must be quick, we must be prompt. There has to be a rapid pursuit to hear the word of God. We must have a ready heart, which is that's which indicates which is indicated by these words that James tells us we have to be quick, you have to be ready. Listening or hearing quickly is often challenged for most of us. It's a difficult art to master. Listening requires intense interest on the speaker. But wouldn't it be an encouragement or an enabling, enabling factor knowing that it is God who speaks to us through his word? That as we receive his word, we know it is God himself speaking. It's not man, it's not man-made, it's not man-written. The scriptures we have is God himself speaking. Children, if you want to know that your parents love you, you want them to always hear you. You want them to be quick to hear to you. Likewise, if you want to show that we are receiving the word of God, that we are profiting from the word of God, if we truly are indeed Christians who are profiting from the word of God, then we must be quick to listen. Because it shows that we are considering God. We want to hear him. We have the desire to listen to him. Thus, how quick are we to hear the word of God? How do we prepare to listen, to be read, to ready ourselves to hear the word of God? James doesn't stop there in quick to listen. He now gives us a second principle. Slow to speak and slow to anger in verse 19. He now tells us the opposite. Be quick to listen, now slow down. Slow down to listen, slow down to hear. Slow to speak, sorry. He doesn't say that you make a vow of silence. If you want to profit from the word of God, don't speak at all. No, James is not saying that. James is saying, be slow to hear. I speak, hesitate, delay is speaking. Because for us to receive the word of God for profit, we must submissively hear the word, which is slowing down, hesitate, listen first carefully what the Lord has indeed for us, what he wants to tell us, instead of speaking abruptly or rashly. We must be well furnished, as we have read earlier in Proverbs 10, that when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is considered wise. And in Proverbs 17, even a fool, when he keeps, we keep silent, he's considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is counted, counted prudent. 
James requires us or tells us to receive the word for profit, we must have a wise speech. In our, as in our speech, we have to be wise. Because careless words, words uttered foolishly and think carefully, quickly, not slowly, tends to be, have some angry mood that accompanies it. That's why James gives us a third principle, which is be slow to anger. Anger usually, and then anger usually leads to hastiness. And James unpacks this idea further in verse 20. Look with me in verse 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Anger, being angry immediately in receiving the word of God, in profiting from the word of God, prevents us from promoting the cause of Christ. An example for us to consider is Numbers 20. When God told Moses, just whisper to the rock and water will come out. Moses, in his anger, struck the rock, not once, but twice. And then what did God tell him? God told him, because you did not believe me, you're not entering the promised land. Moses, instead of benefiting from the word of God, his comfort in God, his belief in God, he got angry because he was so full already of all complaints. That's why James is now telling us, slow down. Don't be quick to angry, get angry. Because the word of God is full of reproof, full of correction. That's why we have to take it slowly. We have to understand it slowly that we may not be rash, rash on, on our conclusions. Anger detracts us from listening to God. It detracts us from closer, uh, closer relationship, the fellowship with God. That's why he tells us in verse 20, the anger of man does not achieve, it does not produce, it does not work out towards the righteousness of God, which is our aim, a closer fellowship with him because we are like him. We, are, we have this righteousness which is he, has, he has given us and he desires for us to be, to have. Thus, the question for us is, how slow are we to speak and be angry? Do we receive the word of God that is preached every day, Lord's day, with joy in our hearts and with anticipation? James doesn't stop there. He gives us a third, a second set of thing to, or how to receive the word for profit, which is in verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. James tells us to, that the initial step for us to receive the word of God, after being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, is a spiritual house cleaning, removing all the filth. The same Greek word he used here is the same Greek word used to translate the Old Testament in Zechariah 3, wherein the, Lord, the angel of the Lord told, Zechariah, told Joshua the priest to remove his filthy garment, his stained muddy garment. Thus, the same word applied James used here is telling us to receive the word of God for, for profit. You need to remove all this stain and filthiness in our lives, all this wickedness, lingering wickedness in us, Accept the word of God free from anger, bitterness, or malice. Because removing these things 
makes us more teachable and receptive to receive the word of God. As I in, in, in Isaiah 57, 15, God himself speaks, I dwell on high and holy places and also with the contrite and lowly spirit in order to receive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, God tells us in Isaiah 57 that he only dwells with the meek because the meek are the ones who receive the word patiently and submissively and profit. that's why they can profit from it. That's why James is able to say in the last phrase, able to save your souls. And the word of God which is implanted to us, the seed of the gospel is able to make us complete, make us whole. When we remove all this filth, when we receive the word for profit by being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to angry, we profit from it. James asks us now, ask us this question, are there any remaining wickedness in our life? Are we cultivating God's word in our lives? Are we benefiting from the worship, public worship, the preached word which God has implanted and given us and continues to give us this privilege to hear his word. Now James moves his thought to verses 22 to 25, wherein he tells us, practice the word for profit. Look with me in verse 22, he says, but prove yourselves doer of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. He unpacks now the idea of receiving. Now you have received the word for profit or as you receive the word for profit, I, we, you have to practice it to show that you're profiting from it. Because James is writing to a Jewish audience, they're very familiar with Judaism, the religion of the Jews. And in Judaism, just hearing the word of God, hearing the Torah every Sabbath, Saturday for them, it's already enough. You're fine. James says the Christian religion is one step further. We must be doers of the word and not merely hearers. It is, if you look at these words, doers of the word and not merely hearers, who delude themselves. It has an allusion, it has a resemblance from Christ's words in Matthew 7, wherein he says in Matthew 7, 24, therefore any, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. And in the parallel passage, Jesus tells us, why do you call me Lord, Lord in Luke 26, 46, and do not do what I say. The Christian faith is an active faith, which is why James says, be doers of the word. God demands and requires obedience from his people. He doesn't just give his law just for us to know that that is what he wants. He wants us to do what he wants. True religion has results and not just merely rituals. We don't come every Lord's Day just because we could please God by worshiping Him. No, we come every Lord's Day so that we could be effective towards, that we could practice the Word and profit from it and show what that we are profiting indeed from His Word. Christian religion leads us to the correct course of actions, which is God, what God requires and God wants, what His desires are, what is His heart. And he tells us, James tells us in the last part of verse 22 that not only hearers, don't only be hearers who delude themselves. Because by only hearing and not doing the word of God, it 
it shows that there's no influence in your life, in our lives, that you are just deceiving yourselves. One of the passages that would, or that actually wake me up was Matthew 7, 21, that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who does the will of God in heaven. It is devastating that on the last day when we present ourselves in the presence of God, and God says, who are you? I don't know you. Away from me, depart from me, you wicked one. That's why James is encouraging believers, be doers of the word, practice the word for your prophet. Are you deceiving yourselves? How do you evaluate your life if you're in accordance to the will and law of God? Do you do base it on your perceptions? Do we base it on what we think or what we know? May it not be so. May it be in accordance to the word of God in what he has revealed for us. In larger catechism 160, it gives us a very practical application how to practice the word, especially when we are listening to public worship, in public worship to the preached word. Sometimes you may think, how can I benefit? I'm just listening, I'm just seated down here. Well, the larger catechism asks this question 160. What is required of those that hear the word preached? Answer, it is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, pray and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures. Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. Meditate and confer upon it, confer of it, hide it in your hearts, and bring forth the fruit of it in your lives. James gives an illustration to prove his point, why you have to do the word of God in verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he, looked, he has looked at himself and has gone away, he immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. The word of God serves as a mirror revealing to us what, who we are, what we look like. Sin has deformed our image before him. And God's word tells us, you have to change. We use mirrors to look at ourselves, to see if anything is wrong with us. Is my hair okay? Is my face fine? Is what, is my, what I'm wearing fine? We don't use it to say, to look, at, to look at ourselves and then say, oh, the person next, sitting next to me, is his hair is, an, is a mess. No, we look at the mirror to reflect upon ourselves, to see ourselves. And notice James uses the illustration of a mirror because he wants us to understand that the word of God is so clear about our state, about who we are, what we are, that we don't need a PhD or masteral program, that you don't have to be learned, we don't have to learn all of scripture for us to know what God wants us to know. That's why children, young friends, you are here in public worship, you have to benefit, you have to profit from it. Because the word of God is so clear, that it's so even clear for you, you have to know and understand, and you can understand its message for you, for your life. That's why it is absurd that's why James used this picture of a mirror. It is absurd that if you saw something that's wrong in your face, and you, for example, you have a meeting, you have an executive session or meeting with someone, 
you're meeting with people, and then your hair is a mess, you're not wearing the right clothes for the meeting. It would be absurd if you just leave it that way. When you look at the mirror and you see something is wrong, there's a paint in your face, or there's brush, or there's mess, there's grease, you remove it. It would really be absurd or weird if you leave it that way. Because hearing and not doing is, is a tantamount to receiving that avails to nothing. That's why, friends, there's a privilege for us that we have copies of the Word of God with us. Because not just we, we're not just hearing the Word here. We can read it for ourselves in our private worship, in our family worship, in our private study. We have copies, whether, whereas in other places there are countries and locations where the Word of God is prohibited. Are we cherishing this privilege? Are we practicing and are we using it to reflect ourselves and look at ourselves if indeed we are in line with, in accordance to what God wants for our lives? James doesn't stop in the image of a mirror of what, he goes further. How does practicing and profit for the profit of the word of God looks like in verse 25? So in verse 25, it tells us, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty and abides by it, not having a, become a forgetful hearer, but an, an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. James shows a contrast in verse 25. If you have an ESV, the word intently may not be in verse 25. The translators moved used it in verse 23 they are conveying a different a same sense but they just rearrange the word order but i think because the greek has the in, the word intense here in verse 25 it's perfectly right to interpret it and to look at it at verse 25 because james is showing a contrast that the hearer only who doesn't do or practice the word of god just looks at it and then he's gone but the doer of god's word he looks at it intently the idea here that when James used this word was that it literally means to look down, to stoop down and bend and look carefully. Just as a young infant who discovered one thing first, first thing in his life, because he was in the, he is a young child who was in the womb for nine months who comes out, saw the light for the first time, he's amazed by it. So this is the same picture James tells us. When you give young Robbie something new, he would be so amazed, he wants to look at it, he wants to touch it. And James is telling us, if you, want, if you are a true believer, you are profiting from the word of God. You are intently looking at down. There's diligence in our end to search scriptures and see our lives based from God. And notice he says, the perfect law of God, the perfect law of God, it is perfect because it gives us freedom from the bondage of, and gives us the liberty from the bondage of sin. The Jews who was James, who was James was originally writing this was, is so familiar with the phrase, do this and you shall live. And many of them, and probably if it's still the same thing now for most religions, it's so binding, it brings you down, it's so dragging you because why do I have to obey all these laws? If the law of God, think about it, the law of God should be what James tells us, the law of liberty, because it's perfect, it frees us from our sins. The law of God should not be like a boat anchor that drags us and stops us 
but rather the law of God should bring us more closer to God to look and what, as he desires. And James tells us as well, remain or abide by this law. It encourages the Christian who practices this or who practices the word of God, that words that the word of God teaches the principles taught in scripture to remain in it, to persevere, don't give up, don't stop. Because that is your test as a faith, as a true Christian. And at the end of the line, he says, they will be blessed in whatever he does. There's fulfillment in practicing the word of God for profit. So James tells us in the first section, 19 to 21, receive the word for, for profit. And now in 22 to 25, he tells us practice the word for profit. Now he tells us that the Christian indeed has evidences that he is profiting from the word of God. And we see that in verses 26 and 27. Look at 26, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. When James used the word religion, religious, it's not the usual word used for the word religion. Here it is conveying the sense of worship, piety. If this man thinks he's worshiping God, if any one of us here is thinking we are worshiping God, but cannot or does not bridle our tongue, does not control our tongue, then he is deceiving his own heart. James wants us to understand that there's ev evidence of person profiting from the word of God. He's showing the contrast that the word of God and man's word are parallel in a sense that God's word required this, he requires man's word to be this, to be a certain extent. Man's word in this section is telling us we have to be able to control our tongue. Just as if you want to ride a horse, you want to control it, his mouth has to have a muzzle so that you could control the horse. So James is telling us our tongue must be controlled, our words must be wise, must be controlled, because this is an evidence that we are profiting from the word of God. Unruly tongues are tongues that lie, curse, swear, steal, slander, and gossip. It is hypocritical. One example I could think of is in the Philippines during the Lenten season where people commemorate the, the the passion of Christ, the last week of Christ before he was crucified, a lot of people who doesn't go to church, who doesn't care about religion, who doesn't, who just live and be merry, eat, sleep, and be merry, they suddenly go with these processions and flog themselves and hang themselves on the tree, on the cross, thinking that this religion, their worship, would pay off their sins. But no. Why? After Easter Sunday, after Resurrection Sunday, they're back to their businesses. They're back to eating, marrying, drinking, gambling. That's why James is saying this is a hypocritical, vain religion. Such religion that does not, that cannot control himself, that cannot control his tongue, is hollow, is vain, is useless, it's lifeless, it is non-existent. 
And consider the translators in, in the English versions, in our English versions, they used a present tense, bridle his tongue, because true wisdom is, is in action consistently. It's a habit. For us to control our tongue, it has to be consistent in our lives. One, in our digital age, one application of this section James tells us is our use in social media. I know a lot of presbyters, elders, restrain themselves from use of social media, and I think it's wise, because it's really tempting. So James is telling us, how are we, for those of us who has Facebook, how are we posting, commenting, sharing information, fake news or real news? Do we verify it? Remember the ninth commandment. It requires all truth and nothing but the truth. We must speak the truth. But do so. We must do so as well in love. The truth must be spoken in love because this characterizes a wise speech. Now in verse 27, James tells us, what is a pure and undefiled religion? The pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is to visit the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Though scripture, scripture does tell us what's life, how to live life pleasing to God, how we are to deal with God, they, scripture also tells us how we are to deal with others, with our fellow neighbors. That's why he used the following words, pure and undefiled religion of our God and Father. He uses the word Father here to show that God relates to his people. He has a connection to them. He's not far from them. He gives good gifts to his people. He equips them to profit, how to profit from the word. He gives them his word for them to profit, to them for us to receive it and practice it and show fruits. But also, there has to be a social involvement. There has to be evidence that our neighbor sees it, that our neighbor can see that we are profiting from the word of God. But James also gives us a warning. Though you are involved with the world, with your neighbors, you have to keep yourself unstained by the world. It's easy to compromise. It's easy to get lost. I'm doing good things from Monday to Friday. I'm working in a non Christian nonprofit organization that helps foster children or adopt, give adopted children or receives children that are neglected. I'll just neglect Lord's Day. Or I'm working in a good Christian organization, I'm an elder or a deacon or a church officer in a church, then I can just evade my taxes. No. James is telling us pure and undefiled religion of our God is following what he wants. Because God, what does God require in Psalm 24? God's God, the psalmist asks, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and pure hearts. Only those who are clean and pure, hearts, hearted and hands, can be proven or are proven to be believers and Christians. And this is what God accepts and, re and requires. So friends, the question is, a question for us to think about is, are we really profiting from the word of God? Are we receiving the word of God and show its evidence and practices it and permeate and shows it forth our lives, not just privately, not just in our family, but as well as with others in our church. So James's message for us is clear that the Christian indeed shows profit, that he profits from the word of God by 
receiving the word and practicing it. Just as a surgeon who has learned in medical school, in pre-med, all the things he needs to know, does, he does residency for a couple of years, being trained and mentored by a professional doctor or surgeon that's known in, this, in their field. So does a Christian who hears the word of God, must profit, must know what he is to do or what he must do with, in light of what the Lord, word of God tells him. It would really be a waste that a surgeon who learned all these things doesn't know what he to do. Likewise, for a Christian, it is waste that you have heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, and don't know how to go about it. James closes us tonight with this question. Are you truly a Christian? Does this, does first, first the chapter of James tells us, shows us that indeed our perspective towards the word of God is correct, that we are really indeed profiting from it, that we are receiving the word quickly, hearing it, slowly getting, speaking it, and slowly to get anger, removing our all filthiness and receiving the word, and receives the word meekly. Are we practicing the word, what the word says? Are we correcting our behaviors that, are, that needs correction? And do we look intensely with an effort to do what God requires? Are there evidences of fruits in our worship and as we deal with our neighbors? Friends, if you see yourself profiting from the word of God, be encouraged, be encouraged. Press on, this life is difficult. And indeed, we'll have many challenges and requires us to trust in God. If you have not or not, is not profiting from the word of God, even though you've been listening to it day in and day out, morning and evening, then James's message is telling you now, receive it, practice it, and show evidence that you are profiting for it. Don't wait until the last day, that when you come before God and he tells you, I do not know you. Away from me, workers of evil. Alone on our own strength and might, we can't do it. We need to rely on the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why if you have a need, you may speak to one of our elders after the service, and they will help you. This is a communal effort. This is not a one-person's job. You can't just... Isolate yourselves and suddenly you can profit from the word of God. You have people of God who is happy and willing to help you and serve you for this endeavor. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.